My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Wayne Madonna. And you're listening to episode 52 of Cinepunk. Cinepunk. Today on the show we have our friend Carp. Hello, Carp. Carp, okay, okay. is it cool if we just say that you're on the show with us but you're not like some guest or something? I am not a guest. I'm not a Carp is like patient zero of Cinepunk's. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, because we wouldn't be without all the advice that you gave us. No, that's true. You came over and told us about sounds. Like, for example... You were like, you know, this this headphone thing is actually a big deal. And yeah. we blew it off for a good year. <laughs> it was actually a year and a half before yeah. we had headphones. It's literally when only we fi- half the life of the, of the podcast. When we finally headphones. did it, I thought, you know, Carp is right. <laughs> so you should probably tell everyone that I worked in the radio business for about four years at uh, various Philadelphia area radio stations. And that's why you guys now use headphones. <laughs> that's also sure. why we called you the first time. That's true. I did, I did help set you guys up. Yeah, so true, true. in certain ways, for for better or not, <laughs> when we finally, when Josh finally allows me to schedule his life, and we have our Cinepunks retreat, yeah, you're going to have to come. You're going to be one of the people invited. Yeah. You, Justin Moore, Evan Valella. Anyone else who'd be useful in the zombie apocalypse? Evo, I guess, then. Yeah. According to my wife, I'm not going to be useful in the zombie apocalypse. Really? Yeah. She thinks that she would wind up having to kill me if I turned. Uh, Because I would turn first. Well, you'd have to be killed then, because there's a zero-tolerance policy. Well, no. Zombies. I'm pretty pretty, pretty pretty open-minded when it comes to zombies. Are you really? I'm like, kill them, don't kill them. I don't really care. Look at you. What are they going to do? Bite me and then I'll be zombie? Sounds good. Suddenly the left becomes the right. Well, I was, just mo- I, was mostly, <laughs> I was mostly saying the fact that my wife goes, you're going to die first because I'm much more crafty than you, and then I would actually survive this, and you would be dead because you're not that good. I don't really like, think thanks. of you as particularly crafty. I mean, I think she's no. right there. Is would, Jenna crafty? Yes, very. Oh, wow. No so, hesitation. So if, yes. there's, if there's a situation where there's an authority figure, and we got to trick that authority mm-hmm. figure, and I'm with Carp and Jenna, I don't go... <laughs> Actually, I would say Jenna is more uh, able to rig something. Her, oh, her, her sure. dad is a good rigger, like so she'll come up with an idea to make something work. She's like some type of Swiss Family Robinson survivalist or something. In our in my old apartment, I had a leak uh, during Sandy, I think, and she devised this contraption using a lot of tape and uh, tin foil, and then had the raindrops go that were coming through my wall go into the sink in my bathroom. I know. I'm a, I'm, awesome. a, I'm a lucky man. You are. Well played, I, sir. I literally could not rig anything ever. <laughs> if surviving... I assume my surviving the zombie apocalypse is just based on my willingness to smash zombie heads. <laughs> in which case, I feel pretty good about my chances. Right, but right, right. If then you, you've you added the second line, layer... Of then once I've smashed zombie heads, then I have to rig things to not die. Yeah. Hey, so on this episode of Cinepunks, uh, we are going to be talking about the films of Nicholas Winding Refn. Word. We had to look up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me and Carp got, uh, we're lucky enough to see the advanced screening of Neon Demon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're excited to talk about that. And Josh has not, not seen it, it, so I will be asking you guys questions about it. Uh, but you've seen his other films, so we can talk about some of his other movies. Yeah, and, but here's the thing. We can also do, like, a, I don't care about spoilers, so everybody knows if you listen to Simpsons, you're getting spoilers anyway. <laughs> so Yeah, Justin Harlan. Get with the damn program. Yeah, Justin Harlan, who likes Scott. But, um, yeah, so it's cool, man. I'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But, um, yeah. I guess at first, we're going to start with uh, our patented feature. 
a patented feature of this broadcast. That being whacking on track. So sick! Every single time it's so sick. Oh my god, we are the sickest. That shit is so sick. I would say we're like top ten sick. Top ten of all like time. The last one hundred years. <laughs> I mean, someone invented uh, bread, so I feel yeah. like that dude's pretty and, cool. And like a wheel, but yeah. then like after that, unison saying whacking on track, pretty fucking sick. Yeah. So, so Carp, as our guest, would you like to go first? No, I'll let you guys. Oh, okay. God, mostly because I'm laughing too hard right now. <laughs> Josh, yes, what have you done lately that's either whack or on track? Okay, so, on track. Because I'm, t- I'm I'm pretty positive, dude. Right? Yeah. So, on track, uh, Only Glory finished our record recording, and uh, the Bandcamp page has gone up last week, and we played our first show last night at a vape lounge in Bristol, Pennsylvania. How was that? Well, here's the funny thing about playing the vape lounge. Filled with vape smoke. Yeah, that part sounds lame. It totally felt like my glasses were dirty the entire night. And I kept on cleaning. I'm like, what's wrong glasses? And you're also but, in Bristol. Yeah, that was the other thing. We were in Bristol. It was us and Sharptooth, uh, Wolves Attack, Eaten Alive, and Bad Luck 13 Rad Extravagance. How were the bands? Uh, the bands were sick. Everybody was really <laughs> awesome. Eaten Alive were so good. Uh, Max Moya, who plays guitar in that band, is the one who got us on the show. It was, um... Pretty fun night for, I mean, given that it was in Bristol, and given that it was in the vape lounge, we still had an amazing time. It was just super duper fun. The fact that you were able to have such a fun time at a vape lounge in Bristol, yeah. is like, that must have been a really good time. It was pretty... It was, the same time down the, your street from your house at like just a normal venue would have been like the best night of your life. Yeah, probably. But, you know, hey man, I was I was pretty sick. So, how, did, how do you feel like you did? How do you feel like you played um, I played, I think I played pretty well. I think that, uh, nobody knows our songs because we're new, and, uh, that's fine. And, um, I think it's funny that that was our first show, and then tonight we're playing at Fort Leaves, and it will be our last show, theoretically. Odd. So, uh, it's because our drummer Warren is moving to Virginia, so we'll be, like, five or six hours away, so we can't very well be a band But, uh, or not with Warren anymore. But, um, yeah, it's a good time. It's just fun playing. I think I played pretty good. I don't think I sucked that bad, you know? I forgot a couple things, but, you know, mm-hmm. you make up for it with your sick dance moves, of which and, I have meant. And, uh, but, um, and you were saying this is actually the first time you've played guitar in a band in front of people. Yeah. I, I mean, i played guitar as a solo artist yeah. in front of people before yeah. punk bands and stuff, yeah. but never, like, aggressive guitar playing. It's typically always bass. And that's what I've always played. So. Did you ever pull the 90s move where you pulled your guitar up higher and then played like a weird sick riff? I did. I was also made fun of for having a squirrel nut zippers guitar, as Donnie Mutt put it. Squirrel uh, nut zippers. <laughs> I don't know. If- Leave it to Donnie Mutt to get that <laughs> sick pull. Like, like, a lot of people would make fun of your guitar, but they wouldn't be able to pull squirrel nut zippers out of their ass the way yeah. that Donnie Mutt can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I didn't know you played a, a squirrel nut zippers guitar. For those of you who don't know, I, I have a penchant for hollow body guitars. That's my thing. I love hollow body guitars. That's the only kind of guitars I own at this point. Not kind of my bass guitar. But, uh, yeah, I love that thing. And I think you can play, uh, you know, you can play any kind of music, you know? Apparently. To quote an evolution t-shirt that I saw in the 90s. Oh, God. Used appropriately. Any tool can be a weapon. So what else is uh, <laughs> Whacker on track? Oh, so that was on track. So we played our first show. It was awesome. That was cool. I saw um, oh, Hunt for the Wilder People. We saw on Tuesday. It was so fucking good. It was so good. Do you know uh, Taika Waititi? I have not seen it yet. He directed, um, you know the director. Refresh me. He did, he did What We Do in the Shadows okay. and The Boy. Yeah. Dude, this movie is so much better than both of those movies. 
I agree. I really think it is like a next level film. It was one of the best movies. I don't think that movie is going to leave my top five for the year. For sure. Sure. Because it was so much fun. It was so well written. Uh, Sam Neill is amazing in it as like Hector, the uncle. And like, it's shot in New Zealand. It's beautiful scenery. And um, it was so well done that like the scenes where they're in the forest, there's a scene where they're in the forest. There's no ambient sounds of foresty stuff going on. And it's baffling to me, like, how you would be able to shoot that and do it that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. Cinematography-wise, and, like, just the look of it was so good. It was really well shot, and the story was really well written. It was pretty awesome. I'm really worried. There's, like, no buzz around this movie, I feel like, or at least not among the audiences that I usually pay attention to. So, yeah. I'm really anxious about that. I really want this movie to do well. I don't want this to be, you know, we're talking about Neon Demon today. We'll get into it. But, you know, basically no one has seen Neon Demon. Like, it's yeah. like a giant fart in the wind. <laughs> and I'm really hoping that doesn't happen to Hunt for the Wolf people. Not it's such a good movie. Not, and, and not just because it's so great, but that is the primary reason. Secondarily, all these fucking people going to see ID4 or whatever. <laughs> or see, Independence Day? And, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> that fucking military recruitment film. <laughs> and like, what you know, I, I, I don't want to get into it. I'll get into it for mine, but you know, there's a few movies that are getting a lot of hype, and I hope for the of people picks up. Yeah, you know, see it. I, I, I also not that it's my turn, but I will just concur with you. It's really good. It's yeah. really, really good. It's so good. So if you have a chance to see it, I, my strong suggestion would be to see it because it's really worth it. And really fun. Time. Yeah. Uh, whack. My wife has been in Hawaii for the past week, so <laughs> I've devolved into this caveman that barely gets himself together to get to work every morning. Sure. Yeah, it's been horrible. It's well, been really, really bad. Didn't you also see two movies, or did you not go to those? Didn't you have two screeners coming up? I, I missed one to uh, go to... I missed... Um, uh, the Purge. The Purge. Yeah. But a uh, friend of the podcast and writer for Simpunks, John Ren, went. Yeah, he's submitting something. And he's submitting something soon on it. He said it was okay. He enjoyed it. Yeah. But then we saw Matt and Dave need wedding dates the oh, following sorry. night. It's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's you know, this is this is the thing. Like, I like stupid movies. Let's let's yeah. not get it twisted. Now, yeah. you know, I, I mean, it, I like dumb movies. It's what I like. But this one is one of those particular strain of idiocy that is specific to frat boy movies, right? And in not a fun or progressive way. So yeah. this is this was the problem with the movie. I mean, like, did I laugh? Yeah, I laughed because it's dumb. And I like that shit, but, you know, will I ever think about it again, pass me talking about it right now? Probably not. Well, I mean, so the, uh, Aubrey Plaza's in it. And Aubrey Plaza and, um... What's her name? Uh, not Isla Fisher, but the other skinny, red-haired, white lady. It's who, out of my brain, too, because I was going to say Kristen Stewart. No, that. definitely not Kristen no, Stewart. It's this is someone I actually in, like. I think she should be There's a girl in, uh, the, the carrier, or the... Pitch Perfect? Yeah, Pitch Perfect. And it's on the tip of my tongue, too, and I can't remember. Yeah. She's in... She was really great. She was really great. She was really great. In the Joe Swanberg movie that she was in, the Happy Christmas movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. fucking stuff. All right, all right, all right. To the, to the Hall of Records. I got it. A.K.A. Google. So this is one of those movies... Let me just talk about my experience with the trailer, because I'm probably not going to see it. Now that you weren't sure about it, I know I definitely will not to see it. But uh, my thing about that movie... Go ahead. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick, goddamn. So here's the, what I was going to say about that. I love it. I actually, I know a lot of people have beef with her. Beef? Yeah. I, I have beef with that. Yo, woman. here's, no, I will lay it out for you right now and you'll totally understand. Any popular white actress, right, 
that does some corny films. Because like, I was going to say, I love her, but Pitch Perfect 2 is like, was literally a piece of shit. Yeah, but Pitch Perfect 1 was amazing. But what I'm saying is, all, it seems to me that there's a high standard for those actresses. Mm. And and all you need to do is like two movies that people don't like and tweet one thing that people don't like and then all of a sudden you're... You think about the Anne Hathaway that like literally like you say Anne Hathaway to half of America and they're like yeah, fuck yeah. And I'm like, what? Anne Hathaway's awesome. But apparently not, you know. Um, and there's there's always... I feel like every actress has like a haters club. And you see it with... And some of them are justified. Like I, I kind of get... I wouldn't say justified. Some of them I understand a little bit of the disdain. So, for example, some people really hate Amy Schumer. Okay, absolutely hate her. See, hate, there you go. Hates hate, Amy Schumer. Hate for her. Don't think. Don't think she's funny at all. So that's what I'm saying. Like I get that, but what I I get when there's a comedic, you know, Amy Schumer is a comedian and an actress and a comedic actress. Let's say. Okay. So if someone is comedic and you don't find them funny, I can see your negative reaction. But there's also a thing where we judge actresses by their endearingness. It's almost like their job is not just to be a character, it's also to be endearing. To be an endearing too. And some people don't find Anna Kendrick endearing, don't find Anne Hathaway, don't find... Well, and to be fair, you could put Scarlett Johansson in this, but Scarlett Johansson has actually said some super fucked up shit, so... Not to mention her Tom Waits cover album that, oh. that they tried to bury. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I mean, she's actually, I, I get a little bit of the backlash against Star Trek. Yeah, but she also isn't under her skin. Which is a fantastic Amazing! Well, that's what I'm saying, is that I don't know how much of this is based on their actual performances, because does Anna Kendrick do at least one movie every year that's a piece of shit? Sure, she's got to pay the damn bills, but she's also done some great roles. Even yeah. if the movies weren't great, she was good in them. So I'm a Same defender. be said for Bruce Campbell. Uh, it's not good. But, uh, <laughs> no, just because I don't want to spend all my time talking about how I love Bruce Campbell. But, I love him too, but. But, okay. let me get back to my main point, which yeah. is through this. I feel like the four main people who are in this movie yeah. are all people who I love. Yeah. And yet, nothing about the trailer made me go, I don't, certainly this will be a good film. <laughs> you know, like, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not a good Do you say certainly to yourself often? Often, yes. You're like, certainly this can't be that good. I imagine Liam saying that while, like, pointing his finger <laughs> up in the air. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the middle of the movie theater, like, people are around me, and I'm like, certainly this will be a good film! <laughs> uh, while twirling your mustache with your other hand. <laughs> hey, Josh. Yeah. Is that it? Anything else uh, whack? Anything else whack you want to talk about? Anything else whack? No, I think that's about it. Um, and also, just on the tail end of that, given what you were saying... Mm-hmm. Hey, actresses who uh, have a huge backlash if you feel like being on a show, you can come on to me. Yeah, I mean, we actors will, too. Actors too. We will give anyone a platform at this point. Yeah, man. You want to? You want to voice your opinion? You want to? You want to feel bad? Or you want to? Is there an actor that has name recognition that you would say no to? Can you think of even one name recognition actor that you would say that? Definitely, like, no way. Yeah. Um, actors specifically, or any or actress? Well, I'm using actor in the. You're supposed to say actor not for everybody, not just not actor. No, but I mean, like, what if it's, like, another public figure? What if it's, like, a photographer? No, or what if it's, like, public figures. I'm talking about actor. actors, yeah. Okay. Uh, is there any actor that I wouldn't want to hang with? Then I'm saying you wouldn't want to be on the show. Mm, I don't know. Clark, what do you think? Is there any actor that, that you you'd be like, no way? Oh, Gibson. Oh, boom! Carp with the big guns. Yo, that's a good call. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. I don't think you'd ever want to come to Kenzo. We're gonna we're, we're gonna go ahead and make a make a make an official claim here. Yeah, Mel Gibson. Fuck Mel Gibson. How about you go get fucked? 
people, <laughs> let's add let's add Mel Gibson's name to Sonny Sting's of the band people from the show. Mel Gibson is banned from Cinephones. Ben Affleck. Fuck the Ben Affleck and the fucking uh, Professor X. Okay, yeah. let's back this up. Yeah, I, you guys can't come on our show. I, I, You're not allowed. I, I will accept James McAvoy under yeah. protest. If he comes in our house, I'm telling him to get the fuck out and stick my chihuahua on. Under protest. Look at him, George! Under protest, I will accept James McAvoy because I know about your beef and I feel like the beef is justified. Right. However, I officially protest, though I will not fight you with a vote <laughs> over Ben Affleck. I think Ben Affleck is a poor decision. I think you should let that beef go. Let and if Ben go. Affleck wants to be on Cinepunks, he's more than welcome. You know what, Liam? Mm-hmm. In the spirit of unity? Yeah. I will forgive Ben Affleck. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If he comes on the show, <laughs> you should bring that story up. I'll totally bring it up. That's why I forgave him. What's, what's so It's like a bait for him to step into our trap. What's really funny about this is we can't even get friends and punk bands to on the show. <laughs> and we're trying to argue out whether Ben Affleck's allowed on the show or not. We're like, I think I know the I think I think know the guy in, like, uh, in mindset. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to be on the show. Yeah. All right. It's like, fuck oh, it. man. Anthony, my old brother for my entire life doesn't want to be on the show. Okay. Well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Herb, do you want to go or do you want me to go? I mean, you can go because I'm the guest. I feel like the guest should always kind of go last. Oh, wow, look at that. He's so nice. These rules, these broadcasting rules, that's called... That's, no, that's just that's just me. That's I called mean, experience, sir. Don't shortchange yourself. No, in, in, in the radio biz, you definitely have the guest go first. But, <laughs> that's why we tried to get you the to the, the, the problem was that I was laughing too hard, and I didn't want I couldn't collect my thoughts. So I didn't want to go first. So let me go ahead and do this. <laughs> let me go ahead and do this right here with this wagon on track, all right? <laughs> so, um, as far as on track, let me uh, zip through. I've seen. I feel like I've seen a few more movies lately than I normally get a chance to. Uh, we're going to talk about Neon Demons. I'll leave that on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a little bit about Humphrey the Little People, so I'll just go ahead and co-sign what you said. Uh, let me also lift up The Shallows. Ah, and you were psyched on And I'll do that with some trepidation, in that okay. the response has been too positive. Is I've it? seen people be like, uh, best movie since Jaws. I've seen people be like, greatest movie of the summer. I've a lot of like hype on this movie. Mm-hmm. So let me go ahead and tell you, don't believe the hype, but still see it. And what I mean by that is, it's good. If you if you were like, hey, I'd like to see a tense, pretty well done horror movie okay. that has a little bit of CG, maybe maybe a couple of iffy CG moments, but overall I think it works. Now, uh, I'll go ahead. I said this on horror business, and if you want to know my extended version of horror business, but I'll say this: if you have a personal beef with Blake Lively. Hey, I don't know who she is, but apparently I found out. Once I said the shallows is pretty good, I was like, who the fuck Blake Lively? And I'm like, I don't Why know are people so fair? Apparently she said some fucking bullshit. Like, she's she's not apparently a nice person. She said some very uh, racist and, and transphobic things publicly. That she said anything about Filipinos? No. So you don't have a personal beef. <laughs> Alright, cool. And I think people just don't like her as an actress. I mean, people not like Filipinos? Oh, there are some. We call them heathens. What's wrong? I mean, Filipino food? Delicious. Filipino people? Delightful. Awesome. Yeah. Right? I don't know either. Wang Wang. Wang Wang. Awesome movies? I don't know. Okay, so let me keep going here. Uh, so The Shallows was sick. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I... Uh, was it boring? No, this is... But, but it's not, like, amazing. I, I just feel like the standard for 
I'm going to the movies to see a B shark movie. It was so low. But because yeah. it didn't suck, people were like, it's amazing. <laughs> and so I think if you go in thinking like, oh, this is really going to blow my socks off, yeah. you're going to be totally let down. It's a, it's, a, it's a competent movie with a shark in it. That's all it is. But that's good. That's, that's good. good. I'll take it. Um, I went, because uh, thanks to you, I went to the Douglas movies. Uh, Yay. Uh, friend of the show, but not yet a guest. Doogie Horner was a guest. <laughs> Doogie Horner is awesome. He's great. I wish we could get him on the show. But, uh, that was another on-track thing that I did. I saw Doug do the stand-up show before the podcast sure, sure, earlier sure, sure. in that week, and Doogie was the opener, and that man killed. Was it good? It was, it good. was awesome. It was a great night. Well, so the podcast was also great. Doogie was great. He won. I really like the whole thing. I bring it up not just to thank you for the tickets. Yay! Or Josh hooked it up. And, not, and also to endorse the podcast. If you don't listen to Douglas movies, you really should. It's a great podcast. And it's a fun game. But I bring it up more than that to tell, let you know that on the back of my name tag, the shithead I had chosen was James McAvoy. James in, fucking McAvoy. In honor. So for those of you who don't know, um, the contestants for the games for Douglas movies, they choose name tags from the audience and they play for the audience member who thinks I can chose. And if they win, then you, as an audience member, you get to get a prize. But as a consolation prize, Doug will call whoever's, whatever or whoever you wrote in the back of the name tag, he will call them a shithead. So for all time, everyone will know they're a shithead. So on mine, thinking of you, I put James McAvoy. And I was really hoping they would choose my name tag. Uh, your name tag was so sick, too. The King William thing? Yeah, that shit was, was awesome. Good. I thought it was pretty good. So good, dude. Uh, as far as whack, you know, I definitely um, have been on a good streak lately yeah. with films. I've watched a number of movies uh, for Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man, the third podcast I'm on, um, that are... Making Cinepunks your tertiary podcast. I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, that I don't... That I did not love. And one of those movies was a little movie called Sicilian Vampires. What's it about? Fucking <laughs> 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 okay, <please. laughs> uh, And the other one was uh, a little little movie something you may have seen called Sharktopus. Now, yeah. in Sharktopus, is it a shark with tentacles? Or is yes, it an it's, a sh- it's a shark with tentacles. See, I was imagining a shark with this to be an octopus with tentacles that has shark entities. Why is this that movie not been made? Is my question. Well, that's not look. It doesn't matter. Eventually, Roger Corman will make shark. You call it Octoshark. Octoshark is a hard style. Yeah, I support that. Here's the thing the movie sucked. Uh, both movies suck. Go on. Um. <laughs> I don't even need to get into it. Just listen to Eric Roberts as a fucking man. But I do want to say, I am curious now. Sicilian Vampire was the kind of suck where I kind of want to see more of this guy's movies to see how bad they suck. So I might I might go on a binge of Frankie Angelo movies and just check it out. <laughs> so yeah, 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 I, if you're curious about Frankie Angelo, Sicilian Vampire, all that, the guest on Eric Roberts as a fucking man where we talk about this is like an expert on Frankie Angelo movies. Really? So check it out. I didn't know anything about this guy. He's a Canadian filmmaker. A Canuck. All of his movies are like self-aggrandizing bullshit, so check it out. It's fun. Uh, yeah, I guess that's about... I feel like I had another whack, and it's completely left my brain, so right. we'll move on. Clark, Clark back you're on track. So, so far on track. Uh, got tattooed yesterday, Chinatown Eddies. Big ups to Chinatown Eddies and all of our sweet bros that work there. Shout out Brad Campbell for hooking it up again because love my Maui tattoo. Uh, it's a pineapple that says Maui Gold because <laughs> my favorite fruit in the world is 6,000 miles away and it really upsets me that I can't eat it every day. I mean, don't, also, don't also, worry, listeners, there'll be a picture on the website. <laughs> also, uh, Josh's, Josh's wife is in Maui. Freaking Maui right now. It's just like, 
Oh god, all I want right now is just like go there and eat like a giant pineapple right now. I should tell her to bring back a Maui pineapple for you. I would seriously pay because Jenna uh, ordered some for our anniversary because our anniversary was last month, nice. and then it was for two of them it was like over fifty bucks to get shipped nice. here. So I was like, we're eating this what? right now. It's so, yeah, it's so totally good. So good. Totally good. Uh, also, shout out to the Dutch because I had to, I went to the Dutch this morning. Yo. Seriously, best part. I hear that place is real good. Yo, it's where's the Dutch? Fourth and Dickinson? It's literally like uh, a black yellow. It's a grand court. Yeah, it's half a block from grand court. Yeah, man. Big up the grand court. It was some other place that closed before I even got to go to the other place. It was like Front Street Sandwiches. I don't know. Some bullshit that closed. (laughs) It was delicious. Awesome. I, I love it. I'm a big. I love food. Okay. Yeah, man. I mean, there's some naughty part part of me that thinks it should be called the Deutsch instead of the Dutch. Right? <laughs> Deutsch. Completely the Deutsch bread. <laughs> you know, we don't have time for jokes on this <laughs> podcast. The money, there's no time to call you that. There's no time for jokes on this podcast. <laughs> uh, other than that, comics. I mean, just finished book five of Akira. Nice. So, Yo, I'm so jealous. I have books one and two. Uh, I, I gotta go buy six now because I love the movie and I, I never thought I would ever get into comics as long as I lived and in my recent years I've been becoming obsessed with them more and more so sure. yeah. I buy less actual books and I buy more comic books right um, is so, this like an extension of the Kira story or what like, it's the know. full story so the movie uh, oh you don't know about the comics so the no. comic so is first yeah uh, so the movie uh, takes out like 75% of it. No shit. Yeah. Well, let's be fair. I, you guys may or may not know this. The reason the movie is not the full comic is that the movie came out before the comic was finished. Oh. So the movie is all the comic that existed at that point. Right. And he wrote the rest of it. Like, literally, people who knew the comic saw the movie and were like, cool, I can't wait to find out what else happens. Kind of like how people are right now with uh, Game of Thrones. I just started that. Uh, two nights ago. I just watched the first episode. I held yeah. out for, what is it, six years now? Yeah. And I refused to watch it, and finally Jenna was like, no, we should give it a shot, and we watched that. So one was like, alright, I, I understand now. <laughs> I understand why everyone likes this. I mean, I mean, it, I got in for like five episodes in that first season, and then we stopped. For no reason. You're so wrong. Yeah, I mean, no reason it, at all. It's highs and lows. There's definitely some shitty episodes, there's definitely some decisions that I'm like, fuck this show, mm-hmm. but I can't quit it. I can't quit you, Game of Thrones. <laughs> I like the first episode. I mean, <laughs> the, first, the, first, <laughs> the first episode of Game of Thrones, all track. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> all, you, all you people out there that have been watching this thing for years, you know, you you guys right. are right. You yeah. guys are right. Good work, guys. Hey, have you been reading any other comics or mostly just secure? Uh, I just I need, I can't wait for the next episode or the next trade of uh, Paper Girls. Oh yeah, I just so read that first fucking good. I'm a, so I, awesome. So I. When I first started getting into comics, it's been recent. It's been in the last three or four years. Sure. And it was after I read uh, Watchmen because it's the greatest. Great, yeah. And I was in I was in LA for work, and I stopped at a comic book store, and there was like one dude working behind the counter, and he was like, "Do you need help?" I was like, "I don't really know what to buy," and he goes, "Here, take these two uh, trade paperbacks," and it was Fatal, which was so fucking good, and then it was Saga, and he's like, "If you can get past all the weird shit." That saga looks like it's awesome, and I read it twice on the plane right home. Uh, so I just picked up number six last night, mm. so I'm gonna read that now that I've, I'm done Akira. Uh, and I picked, I love Brian K. Vaughn, I love everything that he does. I, yeah. I did, uh, what's the one in, that's set in Canada? Um, the one that's set in Canada, I don't know that one. 
Crap, crap, crap. I, I, I know for now. Brian Kevon, I know uh, Why is the Last uh, we Man? Stand, why we, is the Last Man? We stand on guard. I haven't read that. Awesome. I read Ex Machina, I read uh, Why the Last Man, but I haven't read So We Stand on Guard was only six issues. Okay. And it runs through really quickly, and it really left me wanting more, but obviously it came to its logical conclusion in the end. Sure. But I'll let you borrow it. I bought the uh, arm back over it. Oh, that's one. amazing. Yeah. Uh, let me take this opportunity to say what up to our man, uh, John Foster of the South Bay Comics. Obviously, Amalgam is the closest shop to Josh, and we are friends with them. They sell our t-shirts. You should yeah. go buy a shirt there. South and coffee and comic book. Yeah, the South Philly Comics is where I keep my <laughs> box, and John Foster there has been promising for months to do a comic book roundup. So let's take this moment to say, John Foster, write that shit, because Cinepunk should have a comic book section. We should. We really should. And let me go ahead and say, I just recently read the final issue of Hellboy. The end. Ah. The, 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 the end. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it a tear-stained issue, but I definitely got a little emotional, like, I can't believe this is over. And, of course, Mike, Mike McMullen's career's not over. He's gonna do other things. He started a new book, didn't he? He's got a million new books. Yeah. yeah. But... Hellboy is Hellboy, and yeah. I, it had to end sometime. It really, it really did, but it was hard saying goodbye. So, yeah. um, I, love I love Hellboy, and also recently I want to hype this up. Other people have, but I just want to add my name to the chorus of people. Uh, the Wicked and the Divine. If yeah. you haven't read The Wicked so and the Divine yet, you need to go. Have you read that card? I have not. Oh, no. so, so fucking good. good. So good. All right, uh, I think that covers whacking on track, and we're going to start our discussion. On Nicholas Winding? Winding. 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 Like Windigs from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like the old font they used to use when you didn't know what you were typing. It just oh, makes a bunch of weird, weird logos. We'll More break. after the break. And we're back. 
So an interesting cross-section between what we were just talking about and what we're about to talk about is that Nicholas Winding Reference, or Nicholas Winding Reference, my bad. No, I think it's Winding. It sounds more like Winding to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just no, my... No, it's Winding. Nicholas Winding, winding Reference, yeah. Anyway. According to YouTube. According Nicholas to winding the winding. interwebs. Nicholas Winding Reppin, uh cites The Ink Hall by uh, Jabrowski and, oh, sure, um, sure, 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 sure. and Mobius as one of his main inspirations for the visuals of his movies. I appreciate which that. Which is uh, an interesting cross-section between comic book nerdery and uh, filmmaking. So do we want to start start off talking about his other movies, or do we want to start off talking about Neon Demon? Well, let's, let's, let's start with Neon Demon. So you guys saw it on Tuesday? Last week? Is that Tuesday? No, that was the week before. Oh, the it was week Thursday, before. the week before. That's yeah, about a week and a half ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. All right. So, what did you guys think? Going into it, Carp, what did what was your thoughts on Nicholas? So, going into what my thoughts on the director himself. Yeah, I like him. Um, I don't think his stories are the best, and it, he does rely heavily on visuals. But mm-hmm. I also love the fact that his visuals are breathtaking in everything that he does. I mean, the stories are kind of hit or miss depending on the movie. Um, I think after the first time you see it, it the, the movie becomes inconsequential, or the story becomes inconsequential, and you kind of just want to watch his movies to pick up other little things that you might have missed, because he's so heavy in details and in colors for it. It's cool for me. I also knew nothing about this movie going into it. I didn't read anything. I didn't, like, watch a trailer. I didn't care to. I wanted to go in, like, totally fresh. Totally new. Yeah. And I, yeah. lo- I loved it. I thought it was absolutely... It was probably my favorite movie that he's done. Um, really? Yeah, I, thought, I think it's better than Bronson. Oh, which I love. I Bron- love Bronson. Love the Bronson. reason I love Tom Hardy is because of Bronson. That was the first Tom Hardy movie I've seen, too. Yeah, me too. Me and, he too. Was, and he was so great in it. And even reading about the movie afterwards, and you find out that uh, Bronson himself like didn't think he was going to be like a good representation of him. And, and his mom saw it, and his mom loved it, and Tom Hardy was like, I'm going to make sure I do you right. And then he's like, yeah, it was a good movie. Wow. Huh. I, I love the participation of Bronson in his own movie, partly because that's what the movie's about, right? It's yeah. his self-obsession. The fact that he's playing... I mean, Bronson as a human is playing a character. Being in jail is like a performative act. You know, right. he's like, this is who I have to be. This is what I'm doing. This is the role that I've chosen. Yeah. And so Tom Hardy embodies that so well in that movie, and it's so amazing. I, I don't... So this is what I will say, though. Um, I really like Bronson. Right. But because I like about Nicholas Winding Refn his visual style, I think that Bronson is, of the movies I've seen, the least impressive visually. Yeah. No, I it's the most rote of the stories. Like, sure, it's sure, the sure. most, like, linear... To be fair, we haven't, we are, let's, let's put out there, since we're, apparently we're going the other direction, we're talking about Nicholas Mugrafa as a director, we haven't seen, none of us here have seen the Pusher movies. Yeah. Or, we, we haven't seen, seen uh, I've never seen the Pusher movies. We've, we've never seen Fear X. X or Fear X. We haven't seen Fear X and we haven't seen Bleeder. Right. I think that's everything. It makes us feel, it makes me feel at this particular moment very unqualified to discuss Nicholas Mugrafa. Well, no, because you have to think about, like, the core movies that he directs right now are yeah. is everything from Bronson up until yeah. Neon Demon, yeah. in my mind, because that's what he's known for now. Like everyone has their old movies that that they've done, and that you can watch. Like TX Eleven Thirty Eight is so much different yeah. than all the Star Wars stuff, and you would never have known that. But mm, yeah. you just been American uh, Graffiti, which in my mind is yeah. the best George Lucas movie. Really? Yeah, American yeah. Graffiti is your favorite movie. Yeah, no, my that's favorite George. Yeah, I think it's better than all the Star Wars movies. Wow. I think that's. Um, undoubtedly true. 
Undoubtedly true. That's my feeling. Good. Well, Star Wars movies are fun. Okay. All right. I mean, uh, let me put it. Let me. Let me. Well, we don't need to make this an episode about Star Wars, but let me go ahead and say for those people who are freaking out right now, it is. It is the. It is probably still the greatest summer movie franchise yeah. of all time, the creative genre. But you know. The greatest hamburger is still just a hamburger life. <laughs> that's not even fair. What's up the slot burgers? Big shout out to those guys. That's, so not, awesome. that's not even fair because I, I say, love I hamburgers. I say a better is... Cheesy. No, it's a pizza because everyone... Uh, yeah, no, you've never right. had a bad pizza. Right. No, I've had a bad pizza. Have you? Dude, have you ever had Chuck E. Cheese? No. That doesn't count. I'm talking like a pizza restaurant pizza. <laughs> not like a chain pizza. Not a chain pizza. No, Papa Jimmy's is also or, yeah. not good, and, and uh, Little Caesars is not good. Sorry, <laughs> Evan. No, it's actually trash. Sabaros is also trash. <laughs> Get back to our store. All right, so back to Nicholas so, Winding Refn. I, uh, I, so we haven't seen some of his earlier films, and I think all I of did, us... Did we see him? He did the Q&A for Drive when we went and saw Drive, didn't he? No. I remember seeing him. I didn't see Drive until I was in Boston. I saw Drive, and I believe he did the Q&A, and he told okay. the story about how him and Ryan Gosling became uh, friends or whatever, or agreed to do Drive together. And okay. Was, he was sick, and uh, the story goes, he had this meeting with Ryan Gosling, and he was sick, and like he didn't want to be there, and he went to the meeting, and they met, and it wasn't cool. And then... Uh, Ryan Gosling's like, I'll give you a ride home to your hotel or whatever. And, like, this dude is, like, away from home. He's missing his family. And they're in the car. And, like, a Hall & Oates song comes on or something. And then they both start crying. And then that's how they agreed to do Drive Again. So fucking weird. Yeah. It's just, like, but the funny thing is, when Ryan Gosling was doing the press for Drive afterwards, he told the same story, but from his perspective. He was like, yeah, this weird Swedish guy wanted to meet me. And we talked in the meeting didn't go well. So I gave him a ride back to his hotel. And then we both started crying. And this Hall & Oates song came on. And then we so did movie. That's yeah. so funny. I thought you were with me for that screen, but apparently not. Dude, I didn't even like know you then. I knew you, but we weren't hanging out. Okay. Yeah, I remember Drive came out in 2008. Holy shit. 2008, yeah, we weren't hanging out. I was living in Princeton. Or I just. No, it came out in 2009 because I just moved to Philadelphia. Oh. Uh, and then I, that was the year I went to Austin for the first time. And before <laughs> Fantastic Fest, my first Fantastic Fest, Ed was like, Have you seen this movie, Drive? I'm like, no, I'm going to go show him. Like, We're going to go see Drive. And we went to see Drive the night before Fantastic Fest, and Elijah Wood was there. Nice. And we left, and Elijah was outside, and a gentleman, as is the case usually when you're on 6th Street, Boston, there are folks who are living on the street. This guy came to ask for money. And he went straight to Elijah Wood, not knowing who Elijah Wood was, but he's just the first guy I saw. And I remember I looked at him and said, Elijah Wood gives that guy money, and they go buy a DVD of Green Street Hooligan right now. Right. And he was just like, I mean, I'm not trying to talk shit on Elijah Wood. He just very nicely said no. And I thought, no. It's one less sale for Green Street Hooligans, my man. I really thought. I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be so endearing when he gives this guy some money. I think the true funny part is that I can't imagine my life without you as my one of my best friends. True. I mean, 2009 seems like very long ago, but it's like, dude, no. Me and Liam have been friends since high school. No, no, no. We've known each other, but we didn't start hanging out. Enough to be like, yo, we know know each other until 2010, I think. That sounds so crazy to me. Because you never, you didn't meet, because you, I, because, trying to do the math in my head, I think I started dating Susan in 2011. Yeah, and I've never known you not to be with Susan. No, you've met my ex-girlfriend, but you didn't know me when I was with her. Yeah. Yeah. 
Huh, weird. So let's go back to Nicholas Winnie Griffin. Right, right, right. For right. all of us, was Drive the first movie? Oh, uh, no. Valhalla Rising yes. was the first one. Didn't Drive it? was the first one. Drive was mine. I didn't know who he was, I didn't know anything about him, saw Drive. And then, because of Drive, I searched out Bronson and Valhalla Rising. And probably should have searched out Pusher, but I just didn't, I didn't yeah. get there. So it's funny, I didn't even know that he directed Bronson. And I didn't ever put two and two together because they're so two totally different yeah, movies. So different. And I and I liked Bronson just because it, I thought it was a good movie. I didn't think that, and I liked the visuals of it. And I really thought Tom Hardy's performance in it was fan, amazing, fantastic. Yeah. He's I think he's such an underrated a- actor, not just a person who's in movies, but he's really good at what he does and what he brings to them. Yeah. And I thought what he do, did to Bronson was perfect. Now uh, we've all seen Valhalla Rising. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's his earliest movie in Boston. You didn't see that was my, my first it. experience with Matt Mickelson, too. Yeah, well, now, funny enough, Matt Mickelson is also in the Pusher sequels. I think yeah. he's in Pusher He's not in the first one. No. Uh, no. I don't think so. Huh. I haven't done... We, we were... This is another situation where we haven't done all these Right. Um, I know he's in Pusher 2, uh, uh-huh. but I don't know. I don't but Nicholas Winding Refn made Matt Mickelson, right? Like... It seems like because he's in Valhalla Rising, and yeah, 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 it seems like that was the beginning of his career. Right, right, right. I um, love Valhalla Rising. That was one of the best movies that I saw that year. One of the things I find so interesting about, I mean, so Valhalla Rising, again, we can't really talk too much about Pusher, but Valhalla Rising, Bronson, uh, Drive, these are three very masculine films. They're films that I think it sometimes are about men and masculinity, they're about a certain uh, take on violence, a certain take on culture and duty and whatever, yeah. and they all are very different in a lot of ways. I mean, Valhalla Rising and Drive have some similar DNA, but uh, but Overall, each is very unique. Different experiences so all, right? different. I mean, like, consider the fact that Matt Benson doesn't have any lines in Valhalla Rising. Yeah. So he's completely I mean, it's not like Ryan Gosling is saying a lot in Drive, either. But he's saying stuff. Yeah, so, occasionally. Yeah. I mean, there are lines from Drive that I remember. I don't remember any lines from Drive. You don't remember, not, like, you had me five minutes before? Nope. Five minutes after. Nope. I just remember the scenes and the, a lot of slow motion camera and it looking yeah. really beautiful. And then Christina Hendricks' head getting blown off. Yeah. I remember Albert Brooks' lines. Which, but not Frank I didn't, so. I don't, I never felt like he was. I love Albert Brooks. I love everything he's ever done. Yeah. I never, I didn't think that his performance was anything to write home about in Drive, though. No, I didn't think it was deserving of like a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. That's interesting. I don't know if it was deserving of a nomination, but I remember liking his performance. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I'm, and I love Albert Brooks. I mean, Mother. Mother's great. Um, Have you seen Mother? Yeah. Wow. Debbie so, Reynolds. Still my celebrity crush. Still, though, my favorite um, Albert Brooks movie is when he's got to go to heaven. And, oh, yeah. Uh, um, depending on your life. Fuck, yeah. Depending on your life. The movie's great. Oh, man. I it's, forgot all it's about so that. It's so perfect. When he when he's, uh, goes to see the comedy show and he one guy was asking, like, how did everyone die? And Albert Brooks goes on stage like you. <laughs> I The first time I watched that, I lost it. Absolutely lost it. It's so, so good, so good. So uh, let's, uh, Carp. What, what do you think? So you you lifted up me on Demon. Did you see Only God for This? Yeah. What do you think about that? What, 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 let's talk about that one because I feel like of those of the four movies, not counting me on Demon, that we're familiar with, that's the most controversial. That's the one yeah. where people are like, well, oh, I don't know about let's that. Let's talk about just real quick callback from the last episode. The movie town people told us that uh, Rosalie and Ben said that they think that. 
Nicholas Winning is an excellent cinematographer, but not so much a director. And the movie that broke them was Only God Forgives. So I can understand that. Because yeah. Only God Forgives. Because I think everyone got really hung up on Drive and being this awesome movie, and everyone was just raving about it for so long. And I think Only God Forgives is a good movie, but it's definitely a, like a hair of a step down. I personally loved it. I thought it was actually in parts better than Drive in a lot of respects. But, you know, if it's not a mass audience kind of movie. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have the palatability, yeah. or at least the marketability of, like, Cause crowd it, only Because in Drive, you had uh, Ryan Gosling, who was, who was really big. You had yeah. Albert Brooks, who's a big name. And you Kevin had Brian, Morgan. Yeah, and you had Brian Cranston, who was yeah. coming off of uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad. At the end of Breaking Bad at that point. So I was like, oh my god, I gotta see this. All these people in there are so great. Yeah. And obviously, everyone's just gonna say, I loved it. It's just this, this most amazing movie in the cinematography and everything. And then you see Only God Forgives, and you see Ryan Gosling hanging around, like, Thailand beating someone up with a fire extinguisher and like all that crazy shit and you got all the fire extinguisher no wait was that the movie no No, he beats someone up he definitely beats the shit out of a lot of people in that movie there's fighting but there's no fire extinguisher Mm -hmm. and in fact the the most memorable fight scene he doesn't win at all he gets he gets ruined in that destroyed by the old man the devil maybe or god although depending on how you read the film yeah Although that shootout scene when they're all sitting there eating food, so uh, sick, so yeah, badass, awesome. so good, and so that good. and that puts for me that kind of takes makes me feel that uh, Nicholas Wendig, Wendig Griffin is Wendig can, can when he puts his mind to it, and I think he's very self aware of what he's doing with his movies, and when he wants to make a really good and beautiful looking shootout scene, he can do it on a level that is definitely like John Woo. And I thought yeah. that was like a perfect, like John Woo was probably sitting there watching and be like, yo, that's my shit right there. Yeah. So let me, let me, uh, bring up a few things. One, Rosalie and Ben saw Neon Demon. And, and they liked fucking it. Fucking loved it. Yeah. yeah. Thought it was great. So I think they're back on board now with. <laughs> oh, okay. Enough so that if they're listening to this, I would say rewatch one of that. Because they didn't finish it. They just yeah, didn't they get it. Yeah, they watched the first half hour and then And then, to be fair, the movie starts off with severe violence against women. And I think the movie yeah. kind of goes forward after Neon that. Demon does? Or? No, 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 no. Okay. Only God forgives. Right. That's the whole point of the movie. Neon yeah. Demon kind of does too. It doesn't start with violence against Let's Let's talk about Neon Demon. kind of does. Where does it start with that? Uh, the model has her throat cut and she's taking the pictures of it. Oh, that's sure. That, that's fair. But that, that, you can see <laughs> that, you can see that as like a commentary on I, the fashion because that's just a performance. Yeah, I, but, what I'm saying is like Only God forgives. I think the first dramatic action in the movie is his brother being a monster. Yeah. And, you know, raping and killing a, a young girl. So yeah. I think that is a hard... And even for... we, I watched it this morning. The Sue's digit. And that first thing, she's like, look at me like, what is this movie watching? Like, I mean, she knew it was going to be rough, but the fact that it, the first thing is like this dude, you don't know what you're supposed to think about him yet. Yeah. And he's just being this, like, awful monster. It's like, that's where we are? Of course... Eventually, when you meet this guy's mom, and you realize their family dynamic, the fact that his brother's a monster, you're kind of like, well, the whole thing is kind of messed up, actually. It's kind of the point of the movie. Yeah. But, but I mean, but here's, it, you know, going back, it was interesting, because today I did two things that I think are informing my thoughts on the universe. I watched Only God Forgives. And I also watched My Life, directed by Nicholas Winograd. Oh, that's the one about him the going bankrupt and then coming back, right? No, wrong. No. That's the first documentary about him. Oh. 
This is the, I believe, third documentary about him. Good lord. The one directed by his wife while he was making uh, Only God Forgives. Basically, ah. usually when he, in the past, had made a film, the wife and kids stayed. But Drive, I guess, was like a nine-month endeavor. And so he just missed his wife and kids. So for Only God Forgives, he just flies the whole family out of Bangkok. And wow. so his wife's like, well, while we're here, I'm just going to film the making of it. And I think it had been originally intended to be like a behind-the-scenes thing, but it's so much more than that. And it's really an hour-long film about their relationship and about his process of making the movie. And it becomes so clear to me how motherfucking insecure he is. Because when, when you listen to interviews, he acts like, I'm the best. Every interviewer. His attitude was like, I'm the best director ever, and all my movies are the best movies ever, and you should feel lucky you guys did too. Then you watch him trying to make Only God Forgives, and you realize like, oh, he just thinks that's the role he has to play as a director to project confidence. Behind the scenes with his wife, he's like, wow. There's a real... Where did you see this movie? It's just on Netflix. Anyone does. I mean, it's been out for a long time. It's weird. Nobody watched it. Like, even people who love him just never watched Did you know about it? I knew about it, but I haven't seen it. Right. It is an interesting point that you make, too, because... Um, so, both my parents were artists in, like, a past life. Sure. And they used to hang out with kind of a mentor uh, for years. I, his name his name was Alphonse. That's what. He was this old dude who was an artist out in the New Hope area. Right. Um, total, like, super cool guy. And one day, my dad was hanging out with him. And you know how artists have to be at the you know, talking about your stuff all the time. My dad was looking at something he had just painted and he goes, wow, like, this is really amazing. And Alphonse looks at him and, like, takes a drag off his cigarette and goes, it's fucking shit. <laughs> so it totally makes sense that, like, he right. would have that kind of mentality to it. Well, I think the pressure, too. I mean, he's made a series of movies at this point, you know? Right. Technically, Only God Forgives is, what, like, his eighth film or seventh film, something like that? But, uh, I think eighth. But... None of the movies he had made before Drive had the attention. Even Bronson, which has gotten a real life after the fact, wasn't the, the fact wasn't the, Drive. wasn't the hit. You know when it came yeah. out, Fall Rising wasn't the hit. Even the Pusher movies were huge in Denmark, but they didn't really. Then Drive comes out, and the whole time he's making Only God Forgives, he's thinking, literally multiple times, he's like, "This isn't going to be commercial like Drive. This isn't going to be." And of course, the movie, the the uh, the documentary starts with him doing tarot with Alejandro Jodorowsky. And Jodorowsky's like, yeah, well, did you worry about success before Drive? And he's like, no. And he's like, but now with Drive, you're worried about success. He's like, yeah. He's like, no, that's, don't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you doing, like, you, it's going to affect your artistic process if you're worried about. And this is really what happened to him. Like, I almost, when people say, like, oh, some of the shit he said about Neon Demon is so crazy. I don't like, I don't like hearing him talk. I actually, after watching this documentary, I felt compassion for him because people fucking took a shit on Only God Forgives. And I think it's, like, actually a really good movie. Like, I understand there are aspects of it that didn't play. There's things that people didn't appreciate about it. Yeah. Um, there certainly was no drive if, if you were looking for drive. But I think it's a great fucking movie. I think it's really good. I think it really accomplishes. And it actually helped me understand parts of Neon Demon a little bit more because I think Neon Demon similarly... Uh, involves a feeling of like a dreamscape, like something like a nightmare. It uses colors in a lot of the same ways. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's similarly a movie where the ending doesn't come across in a way where you're sure he knew how to move. Like, 
the, with Only God Forgives, it, I like the ending, but you definitely feel like, man, he really was figuring this shit out as he goes. And then with the Neon <laughs> Demon, he's actually literally said, like, yeah, we made the ending up on, on set. Wow. There's something totally cool with that, though. I, I thought it was great, but people have hated the ending. I don't understand that. I think the, a lot of people are, are bred to now think that a movie or a book or whatever has to have a logical ending to it. It can't just stop. Right. Well, Which is stupid to me. I mean, <laughs> here, here's, here's what I'll say about it. I think with Neon Demon, because I guess we haven't really said much we've talked about him. So yeah. let me talk about a little bit more about Neon Demon. Is it, what, is it a horror movie? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would call it a horror movie. I think it's intended to be a horror movie. I think it'll play like a horror movie. I think we can both think of people who are, who think of themselves as horror purists, uh, who I think are not horror purists and they just have bad taste, and they will not appreciate it as a horror film because it doesn't have the horror payoff. It doesn't have like, for a lot of people, horror is just there's a clear monster, there's a clear stalking, there's a clear danger. It's not. It doesn't have those thriller elements. It's more of a feeling of Dread of, no. tepid, of trepidation. Like uh, the witch. Well, what I would say it's more like is fucking Suspiria. It is, uh, in fact, such a fucking Argento wank fest. <laughs> and I mean, and what's funny is that sounds negative, but I actually mean it in a, in a positive, in the yeah. sense of like, I'm amazed how many fucking things I've read about this movie, and no one goes like, clearly, he's clearly influenced by Suspiria. It's so yeah. influenced by Suspiria. Uh, it's not. Actually, a ripoff of Suspiria, but it's influenced by it in such a way that horror fans should immediately be like, "Oh, okay, this is like an Argento thing going on right now." Okay, yeah. I kind of feel that. Um, I think that some of the problems he's running into is partly like with Only God Forgives. People started reading really deeply into that movie. You know, uh, Ryan Gosling's hands, his phallic symbols, and the meaning of religion in it, and all this stuff. That I think. Not that some of that wasn't under the surface, but it's not the point. He's not making a commentary on Buddhism. It's not like a critique right. of Eastern spirituality. It's a, just a dark movie set in Thailand, influenced by the fact that he likes Thailand. With Neon Demon, people are trying to get some severe political commentary on the fashion industry. And I don't think that's the point of the movie. No, I think he actually loves the fashion industry, and this yeah. is just him making a movie to make people uneasy about it. Because you could easily just say, oh, well, he's just angry at the treatment of models and how it's so fake and stuff, but I don't think it's that case at all. No. Well, and for me, Carp, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. I hear a lot of commentary on, oh, well, he's really judging Elfin's character and the whole movie's like a punishment on her. I didn't get that feeling at all. I mean, I think there's she's she has power, and she definitely is being affected by her environment, but I don't think he judges her. Like, I think, in some ways, some of the crazy things she says, he thinks are actually true. That, like, the other girls want to be her. No, I would totally agree with that because she, in the movie, is the new girl that everyone is wanting to work with and all these other models have worked so hard to get to where they are right now only to have a girl who's, what, 10 years younger come in and literally take everything away from them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going to lose their power in this relationship as, as they do or they would have done with anyone else. Her character isn't unique, but right. I, I think the... Um, I, actually, we should probably call them the monsters in this, because yeah. they're technically monsters. They are the ones who are, like, the real drivers of this movie. Everything reacts kind of around them. Well, and I think it's important to realize, too, there's, not only is the superior connection and the colors and the atmosphere, it's a movie, I think, that is maybe not directly about, but it hints at witches. And it hits at witches, yeah. witches both in the events of the plot, which, spoilers, 
basically some of these girls are doing things that seem very witchy to me. But also, witches, in a certain historical sense, and we saw this in The Witch, are a response to patriarchy. And the whole time, he makes it really clear. Are these women dangerous? Are they in competition? Are they maybe unsafe with each other or unfair to each other? Sure. But multiple times he goes, well, behind all that is men. Like, he doesn't just say, look at these women and how awful they are to each other. It's not about their characters. It's about women who are in a situation in which they feel like their appearance is the only power and control that they have. Which, of course, puts them at each other's throats. And he doesn't say, they're doing this because, man, women, huh? They really suck. Look, look how much ladies suck. It's like, oh, well, in an environment in which it is true... All four of these women, well, I guess one of them is not a model, but at least three of these women are trying to survive based upon the whims of men, upon the sexualization of them, upon the use of their beauty as commodity. And honestly, like, I think Alfana's character is speaking a truth in that she has something that is natural to her, that she's not working at, these other women want. But he's also clear that they don't want it because they're immoral. They want it because they're told they should want it. They're forced to, like, see her as what they want. And, of course, then they want to destroy her because of that. Right, because she's also... And there's even in that that, that one scene when uh, the one model was talking about how much plastic surgery she's right. had. And um, her character was like, well, why would you do all that? Right. I mean, there's a great scene. Too. If there's any commentary at all, it's more the commentary of him saying, like, of course the person who is the thing that you're pretending to be, you would hate and want to destroy. Like, she sort of points out the lie of them, but he doesn't blame them for that. He's not, like, it's also not like he's like, yeah, she got plastic surgery, what a fucker. Like, he's like, of course she got plastic surgery, look at this thing that she's trying to, to achieve in, and it's not her fault, it, the blame isn't on her. Now, of course, she makes some monstrous decisions that are her fault for making those monstrous decisions, and I, I mean, I guess we've already said there were going to be some spoilers, but, uh, the use of uh, cannibalism in the movie <laughs> is I, so good. I yeah. think it's it, that is the only point at which the movie for me is in some sense metaphorical. Not that they don't literally fucking eat her, but I think it represents this idea of like when you finally find someone who represents that thing that you've been striving for this whole time, of course you want to consume them. Of course you want to use them and take them. Now, the only part where I will be cynical at all is is there some small sense in which Nicholas Winding Refn is injecting his feelings about himself as an artist, and that the industry he's in wants to use him for his natural talent, I suspect there's a little bit of that going on. That's the only place where I'll be a little cynical and say, nah, he kind of sees himself as Al Fanning a teeny bit. I don't know. What do you think about that? That's a tough sell for me. I don't really think that he sees himself himself as Al Fanning's character in it. I think him and Al Fanning kind of teamed up for this, from what I understand, to, mm-hmm. to to make this character. And I think he did a very good job at it, but I don't think he's at that point where he's saying, doing it as like a fuck you to everyone. Yeah, I'm not saying it's quite at that level, but I do wonder if that there's some... Co- well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say just him, but I do wonder if there's any correlation between that and how he feels about the film industry. It's, an industry that's kind of screwed him at this point. I don't think that's entirely far-fetched. I think it could be an underlying tone, yeah. but it's not something that he's trying to make... 100% on purpose. Yeah. 
But I do think, like, it's in my most movies. Yeah, yeah totally. I do think it's strange to me, though, like, one of the, you know, a lot of people, oh, well, nothing really happens in it. Well, okay. I get that people saw Drive, and then Drive became the level at which they judge all these movies. But at least for the movies we've seen, none of these movies are actually, even Valhalla Rising. Valhalla Rising, yes, it's a movie of mostly fighting. But all that fighting is in, like, slow motion. Yeah. And there's not, like, a climax. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's... There's no, like, definitive, like, huge battle scene or anything. And Bronson is, like, his most... Uh, Linear. I've, I've never, I've never seen a movie that I've seen. I've never seen Fear X, which I hear is a pretty normal straight movie. So, yeah. whatever. But of the movies we've seen, Bronson seems to be almost his most, like, shiny, Hollywoody kind of movie. Yeah, definitely. And even that one is not, like, a fucking high-paced action movie. It just feels like with Drive, because of the soundtrack, because of the cast, and because of the few action scenes in the movie, everyone's like, Nicholas Winding Refn makes action films. And then Only God Forgives and Neon Demon are kind of slow, and people are like, oh, why are these ones so boring? I feel like those are, that's the kind of movie he makes, or movies that are... In my mind, he is a horror director. Really? Given what we've seen. Okay. In my mind, he is a master at cultivating that tense, impending doom feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That's the one thing that ties all those movies together. He's really good at, at making you look at a scene, and even though if those scenes or a shot is really long, you pay attention and it builds that up yeah. in you, and you want something to happen. And even if something doesn't happen, it kind of sits there in the back of your mind. It's such and an you go, oh, manipulation. I agree. That I love that director for that reason. That I, I think he has a very acute sense of atmosphere. I think a good thing that I would recommend to people is to rewatch Drive. Yeah. Watch Only God Forgives. Watch the documentary his wife made. And then go see the movie. And I feel like those are not just a con- that, that, that forms a set on his progress. I mean, because I think the thing is, is that, you know, as great as Drive was for him, I'm sure, in some ways, I wonder if he feels a little oppressed by Drive. That Drive created this expectation of what kind of director he is. Yeah. That's not who he is. You know? Well, it's just a funny thing to consider how grossly misread that movie feels like by the critical opinion in, in reference to the rest of his body sure so to like I don't know it's like it'd be like judging Nikkei solely on like 13 assassins or like uh, which to be fair that has happened I've heard people be like oh yeah Nikkei he did 13 assassins like he does like you know these uh, action movies and I'm like no, Mickey does disturbing movies. Like yeah. That's what his his bread and butter is disturbing. And he's done kids' movies, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's, done, he's done, literally, literally done everything. Yeah. yeah. He truly has. The one artist that has been <laughs> literally every genre. And I think that the, the you know the fact that Only God Forgives is dedicated to Yodorowsky says a lot about the movie to me. Yeah. About what it's about and what it's dealing with. And I think Neon yeah, Demon is dedicated to his wife. And I, uh, and, and, and I, and I think the reason for that. Um, is the realization that he's done this series of very, you know, masculine films. And in this film, that wasn't it. Now, again, don't worry about what he says in interviews. I don't get the feeling that Nicholas Winding Refn is a brand, where he's like, okay, I'm going to go do this interview, and I'm really going to represent who I am and what this movie's about. And I think he's kind of an anxious. He strikes me as kind of an awkward dude. Yeah, it's kind of like a fluid character. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to focus on that too much either, but for me, I don't I don't know yet if I would say it's my favorite. Now he was my favorite of his films because I really do like Only God Forgives a lot. But I'm going to go with Carp on this one that it's amazing and I'm 
I'm actually, you know, we try not to let people's opinions bum us out here on Cinepunk, but sometimes when I see, like, the gross, you know, sort of waving off of that, I mean, like, generally people just been like, oh, what a piece of shit, what a vacuous piece of shit that was. I just don't get, I guess I, when, I, when I'm feeling it's not anger, it's disconnect. I don't understand how people can see me on Demon and be like, fuck that. I mean, sometimes something has a lot of content and it's well done, but it's not for you and you hate it. But it's the dismissal of it. It's clearly nothing. It's clearly a waste of time. And I'm like, that I can't understand. Yeah. Totally disagree with anyone who thinks that it's a bad movie. I think it also, so, he did a really good thing that I love, which is the the shots of the models. Um, there's a photographer called Miles named Miles Ald- Miles Aldridge who sure. does a lot of fashion photography, and he borrowed a lot of his hyper colors that Miles has always used in his photos and used that in his scenes. That immediately like put me over the edge. I was like, "This is awesome! This is absolutely like perfect." I think Neon Demon is probably my favorite one right now. I think well, so it lends a couple really cool things. It lends the horror aspect. Mm-hmm. I think he uses the cinematography to its full potential in every scene when um, El Fanning's character is yeah. walking around um, in the sh- in the different shots of when she's getting her photo taken by the one creepy photographer uh, when he closes the set. I thought the uh, venues that he's, he used when she had to run away and hide at the, uh, the makeup artist's house was perfect and it lends that just overall creepy aesthetic to it where you never really realized that you were watching a horror movie up until that point, and then it kind of flipped in my head. I was like, oh, this is what he's going for. This is fucking cool. He creates... Yeah, I, I think people... Uh, I don't know, I shouldn't focus it's on a slow, people. It's a really but slow I, boil, which is cool for me. For me, he creates a world. He creates an atmosphere. He and, and I guess this is also something we've dealt with before. I don't think of film as a only narrative medium. Yeah. So, like, the fact that he spends as much time creating this atmosphere and allowing the characters to develop within it, and the feeling of tension to develop within it without having a propulsive narrative, doesn't bum me out. I get why it bums some other people out, but, I, you know, we've said this before, we're not here to make anyone feel bad, but if you, all you're looking for in movies is a compelling story, that's a book. Like, that's you're looking for a yeah. book. You know what I mean? Like, and again, not to say that films can't have a compelling story. Right. A film can be narratively uh, focused yeah. and really have a like a really intricate plot, and and or it can focus on dialogue and be dialogue heavy and about that interaction. He's a visual filmmaker, and I think that for me, the Neon Demon is all, almost the height of that. Again, it's it's really on a balance with Only God Forgives for me. Mm-hmm. I think there's more that I'm chewing on from Only God Forgives. Um, but I would definitely put these two movies on like down the road as a double feature and think about both of them. Um, Neon is a little bit longer, um, and I think Neon Demon works really well in a theater, so it's going to be hard to watch it at home just because it's visually like unbelievable to me. But um, yeah, get a good TV if you're going to watch it at home. Yeah, I mean, I have an. What okay other TV. directors would you say are like on that level of visual sort? I mean, this is the sort of question I should have an answer to. Are we doing? Movie directors of all time, or just? Sure. I mean, Kurosawa. Yeah, always I would think Kurosawa. That was the first director. I, I mean, if you watch Seven Seven Samurai, it's, it's visually, visually stunning. stunning. 
But I mean, like, Dreams. If you watch Dreams, that's yeah. one of the best shot movies I've ever seen. In well, but I don't just mean the quality of the shot. I mean, because you could say, for example, um, not in every movie, but in a lot of movies, Spielberg has still a great eye. But his style yeah. is narrative. He's telling a compelling story, whereas, like, a Tarkovsky... Okay, all right. It's a lot about the composition of the shot and the atmosphere. Or, again, we mentioned... Not every film, but a number of Argento films. Like, mm-hmm. if you think about it, Suspiria has almost no plot. Nothing fucking happens. And Half the time, nice. it's like just interior design. Like, look at this room. It's all red. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck, it is really red. <laughs> God damn it. What's going on? That's the beauty of Suspiria to me. Like, yeah. in those movies, that one is the most nightmare. Oh, yeah. It's really like nice. jumping into a room filled with barbed wire. Oh like, god! Just thinking about that bumps me out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's totally great. That's why it's great. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Back so the the idea of a visual director that doesn't focus so much on on the propulsive storyline. I think that that's a very, I mean, not rare, but it doesn't happen often. I mean, Cooper, look at yeah, Cooper, look at yeah. everything that he's ever done. I mean, a lot of people hated what a lot of his movies like represented and, and the lines of it, but if you look at them visually. And see how he's woven like visuals into the actual storyline. It's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, Cooper is I, definitely I, the exemplar of that style. I mean, I, I, I would say this: if we're talking about big money Hollywood directors, sure, it's really rare, and it's rare that a director with the style of Nicholas Winding Ruffin would make. I mean, not that again, no one went to see him, you know, according to the numbers, but people know who he is, and that's that's rare that one. But like, if we look at film in a larger sense, I think there's a lot of directors who experiment with that style. Or is everyone successful? Well, maybe not. But it's not that rare for film to use the... Uh, and it, I always keep saying visual, but with him, of course, it's not just visual, right? It's it's not narrative, but it's experiential in that it's the sound design, the music, the visuals, the lighting, everything about it pushes you and makes you feel something that isn't just about... First, Tom did this, and yeah. then Tom did that. Oh my god, Tom is crazy. What's going on with Tom? What's going on with Tom? Yeah. That should be the new Tom Hanks movie. What's, What's going, going on, on with Tom? What's going on with Tom? So good. You know, I do think, though, like, knowing of... Uh, I, I would love to see some actors like a universally liked guy like Tom Hanks do, like, a fucked up. Like, he's getting older. He doesn't have to do, uh, you know, award bait anymore. He's doing some movies that are, like, not normal. It'd be cool to see Tom Hanks be like, yeah, I'm going to do a Nicholas Winter Ruffin movie. He's just going to film me with a fluorescent light on my face while I stab someone. Like, that would be sick. That's amazing. I don't know. If you watch Castaway, that's probably the most different of all the Tom Hanks movies he's ever done. Uh, Hello, the Burbs. That's Burbs just, is oh, yeah. amazing. Burbs is amazing. One of the greatest movies of all time. Or even uh, Joe vs. the Volcano. Yeah. Which we've lost over on the last episode, but... Well, I think a lot of people think that movie's stupid, but I, I think there's so much going on in that film, even if, in a lot of ways, the movie is kind of stupid, it, it is using a lot of techniques. If, if you really pay, pay attention to the way the film is, is made from the beginning to the end, it uses the medium of film atmospherically, you know, at the beginning when he's at work, it's like a fucking Soviet propaganda film about the, the oppression of capitalism. And by the end, when he's on the island, everything is bright colors, and the camera's moving, it. it's like a whole other movie. It's like the movie transforms itself with the plot, which, again, maybe for some people it's a cheap gimmick, but to me it represents a good filmmaker who maybe has not the best script in the world, but he they're doing interesting things with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, def- yeah, I'm defending Jovers the Volcano. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad I'm at it. I'm talking to our audience. Oh, so right. I assume we're sitting at home going, What? Did he just did defend Jovers the Volcano? What an idiot. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, we both recommend Neon Demon. I guess the caveat I would give is uh, um, it's not a traditional horror. If you're going to it thinking, like, you're going to see the new Friday the 13th movie, yeah. that's not what we're talking about. No. It's, it's in fact, unhorror enough that I would like, take my wife to see it. Like, I don't think she's going to be. It's, it's anxious, but it's not. No, nothing's going to jump out. I don't think she's going to There's a lot it. of scenes in it that are going to make you feel really uncomfortable that, yeah. that definitely put you into that horror movie sense when you feel kind of grossed out. Which yeah. Is, which is really cool for me. Yeah. Because you normally just see that in, like, a gore slasher movie where, like, someone gets their guts ripped out or something, and then you're like, ah, ha-ha, you know, it's a goofy kind of thing. There's some gross things in this movie, but the most uncomfortable moments were not because a gory, gooey thing happened. There's a couple gooey moments, and I won't ruin them for you because the power... It's funny, like, we said spoilers, but there's a scene I'm not going to say that we got a review from someone, and they... It was a great review of the movie, but they mentioned that scene, and I literally wrote them back and said, I love your review, but you have to take that out. Because when we saw it, the visceral reaction was so strong to that scene that people left the theater. Yeah. And wow. Like six or seven people just were like, nope, nope, <laughs> I'm done. All right. All right, I got to go now, guys. I'm gonna, I'll see you later. Like one lady was like, like not yelling, but she was like vocally like, nope, that's all right. Uh, let's, time, time to go. So that was great for me, too, because I was on the fence about whether or not I was liking it up until that point, and then I saw a bunch of I'm gonna call them squares, because that's what they were. They were fucking squares. squares. And they all got, and they all got <laughs> up and left, and I was like, nope, that's it. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's an excellent litmus test for you. It's a, it's a magical moment, so I don't want to ruin I've, that for anybody. I've walked out, I've, I rarely walk out of movies. I've only ever walked out of two movies in my what whole life. Really? Undercover Brother. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. It was probably. It was probably the people I was with at that point, and no one was really laughing. And there was only like three of us in the whole wow. theater. And really, like, not nah, nah, fuck this movie. And, uh, and John Carpenter's Vampires. Uh, I like John Carpenter's Vampires. The John Carpenter's Vampires, I thought, was so stupid. Even as like a thirteen-year-old kid, I was just like, "Fuck this shit!" And I went and walked down the street and got a bunch of pizza and waited for my friends to leave. Yeah, I will say this: I think you're both right. I think John Carpenter's Vampires is that stupid. But because I saw it late night on cable TV when I was a kid, awesome, I was kind of like, oh, this is great! Yeah. John, John Bon Jovi murders vampires. It's terrible. You know, at one, at one point, the vampire puts his hand through a guy, and then a girl or somebody. Man, right? It's a guy, but he chokes the person behind them. So, <laughs> so like, it's like he's like, through the person, chokes them out, and then chops him in. The Bon Jovi thing, though, doesn't happen until the sequel of that, right? Is he in that movie? No, he's, he's in, 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 in he is. Yeah. I almost, and I almost walked out of, but I, I made it through uh, the newer um, Dawn of the Dead, the 2004 version. Oh. I almost walked out of it Yeah, because it was god-awful. And then I actually like took like an extended like bathroom break. I was like, this is, this is just bullshit. <laughs> and uh, I came back in um, a couple minutes before the, the baby scene, yeah. uh, and like, like, when the baby dies, the whole theater is silent. Except for my one friend, this, guy, this kid Josh, 
who all of a sudden just goes, <laughs> and starts laughing his ass off. Shit. And I oh, shit. lost it. That's amazing. Lost it. And I was like, this movie is just fucking bullshit. <laughs> I, I, I like the first ten minutes. I no, didn't even like the first ten minutes. Oh, okay. If you're sleeping through a zombie apocalypse, you are a fucked up sleeper. <laughs> That's fair. That's actually fair. Come on. The only I ever walked out on, then Let's not get into this Benny the Jew discussion again. I don't know what movie that is, actually. Yeah, you shouldn't. Oh, it's Johnny fun. Depp. I, I loved it when I was a kid. And I know Josh hates it. It makes my heart sad. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. Benny and Jim and The Woman by Lucky McGee. <laughs> oh, I've never seen that. that movie. is so bad. Ugh. And I've uh, sat through some bad stuff. I mean, top five movies uh, are... One of them for me is like the Roxbury, but people pe- people hate. But yeah. Je- Jenna and I, it's like the funniest thing. We love it. We will quote it constantly. <laughs> it's a really bad movie. Oh no, it's terrible. But I love it in the same vein that I love like a Tim and Eric show. Right. Because it's because I, I, I am actually offended at that comparison at a deep and and, and essential level. <laughs> no, because Night of the Roxbury, you could easily have Tim have um. No, Night of the Roxbury was an ink and dagger. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, that's fair, actually. <laughs> if okay. you think about it, Chris, if like you replaced Chris Kattan and, and Will Ferrell with Eric Warheim and uh, Tim Heidecker playing those exact same roles, you would think it's the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> no, I'm so <laughs> mad at that. That makes me so angry. I'm like ready to jump out the window. <laughs> that shit is amazing. <laughs> okay, uh, we should probably wrap up here, but I do want to say we, me and Carp endorse Neon Demon. Josh hasn't seen it yet, but I think he endorses it. I will see it. (laughs) Um, And I think for us, you know, Nicholas Winding Refn is a very divisive director. Yeah. But But he's up there for me. He's up there with your Tentori and, and, um, you know, Lars von Trier. I put him up there with those guys. Yeah. I like the movies. I think I feel I get the same satisfaction. I would definitely recommend the documentary about him. I mean, there's some movements that are not complimentary. He definitely can be moody with his wife while he's making this movie and he definitely it's definitely honest about him like his insecurities and his you know he goes from being like I think this movie's better than Drive to literally saying it's a piece of shit can't you realize how bad it is like he just you know that feeling and I think that you know if you're watching it to be like oh I'm gonna watch this because I think Nicholas Winder and Ruffin might be a good friend then you're not gonna enjoy it but if you watch that documentary thinking this is about an artist who's trying to figure out how, how to do what he does. It's like really interesting. I thought it was really interesting. So I recommend that. Um, and I think we all are committed at some point to watching some of his older films. Yes. If we find them, we're going to watch them. We'll come back. I hear Pusher's not that great, but that Pusher 2 and 3 are awesome. All right. Is there a video store we can rent these from? Well, let's go, let's go ahead and say they probably haven't met Viva Video in our Morphier. What's up, Viva Video? So it might be worth checking with them, but we'll see. I mean, I might acquire them somehow. We'll see what's going on. I'm sure, actually, there might actually be copies of uh, Diabolic, so it might oh. be worth talking about boys and Diabolic as well. Right. Anyways, uh, anything else you want to say about Ruffin before we wrap up? No. I do want to say that to anyone who thinks that I don't like movies or don't like good movies after my Night of the Roxbury reference, I was seven samurai full sleeve tattoo. <laughs> I like how you just were like, oh my god, I gotta, I gotta patch up my reputation yeah, right now. Gotta make sure people don't think I only like the Night of the Roxbury. I just wanted to clear that up. Really quick. <laughs> you just saved us all. You just saved us all. We almost went down with the ship there. I was not. A, I was not. And look, I like some dumb movies. It's fine. Who cares? Yeah. Why don't you like Carp? It's cool. Yeah, Carp. We, we don't judge you. I, other people might judge me. I mean, totally. They're, <laughs> they're monsters. 
All right. Uh, do we want to hype anything before we wrap up this episode? Anything coming up you want to um, mention? July 20th at Lava Space, my band Solarize will be playing our first show. Cool, cool. So that should be interesting. Um, hopefully we'll have a recording for that band up soon. Uh, the Cross Keys recording is going to be coming out soon too. Sure. Look for the band camps. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, listen to the Only Glory record. It's also on Band Alright. Carp, anything you want to hype up or mention before we wrap up? No, I mean, I don't have anything else going on in my life other than hanging out with you guys right now. Yes, I love that. I don't, so awesome. I don't get to talk about movies as in-depth with a lot of people, but I get to talk about them with you guys, and it makes me really happy. You are welcome to come yeah, to I don't think you. I don't think you realize how happy I was when you guys finally asked me to take part. I was like so... Wait, wait, wait. The implications that we weren't already like, yo, I wonder when Carl's going to come on. I don't know. I mean, there I... There is a open Cinepunk score policy piece, my friend. Let's clarify here. I think Josh has an open door policy. <laughs> and I'm more, <laughs> I'm, discerning, I'm more discerning. <laughs> only only because I want to make sure... That Sonny never gets on the show. Hey, Sonny is never allowed on the show. <laughs> and uh, nor, for that matter, is Mel Gibson. And B, uh, uh, I think that, I, you know, I want to be strategic because <laughs> occasionally we need to have somebody on that people have heard of so that more people listen to the show. You do Fair. realize that I was an executive producer of a talk radio show and used to contact people for my living to get on Man. the radio hey, No, here's the thing. Thank God you're discerning. Yo, no, what I mean to say by that, that wait, what does that have to do with that? What I'm saying, what I'm saying to you, Carp, is how many times... Oh, right. Carp isn't on social media. I forgot about that. I'm like... No, I'm on the gram. Oh, that's true. But on Facebook is where we're usually like, hey, guys, we need help because Liam does everything and uh, Josh is in six bands. So if anyone wants to help out, that'd be cool. And I'm like, it's weird that Carp never wants to have live with anything. Because so, <laughs> I haven't been on Facebook in like five years. I know. Hey, you want to help out with some cinephones? Yeah, I've said yes. Yes! No, because I do think that, I mean, again, we've had lots of friends on. I think some of our best episodes are with people that, that we're friends with. So that's always going to be a policy to have friends on. I did write to Mr. Billy Bragg. But we we want hey, to be Billy. we want to be asking people who have some audience only because here's the thing, uh, we would like to do this more often. Yeah, we would like to pay the people who write for us. Yes, and in order to do either of those things, we need advertisers. And we need and, people that would draw. We don't have enough. We don't have enough clicks, downloads, visits yet for anyone to give us a red cent. I like that you said yeah. Oh, I yeah. I think. I think we're a relatively good podcast. I agree. I think we're pretty okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We gotta work in sales too. So yeah. I can like sell things. Huh. I'm telling you, man. Anything See, you want to do for us, we are. You want, my, you want my resume? Jenna just made it look all pretty for the jobs that I'm not getting. If you get us some sweet interviews and stuff and sell us real hard, I will get a carp tattoo. I don't know if he's looking for a tattoo as compensation, but. <laughs> I know, but I, I, would do, I would do it on you know on the BL for you guys. Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we wrap up, I want to hype a couple things for y'all. I love we have this whole conversation. No one cares, but uh, I do want to say the end of this month is the Carpenter Weekend at uh, Mahoney. Mahoney Drive-In. Um, I haven't been to Mahoney all summer. I apologize to them. I know at least one of those dudes listening to the podcast. So sorry, guys, I haven't come out. Just been real busy. I might actually go tomorrow night for the. Goonies, E.T., uh, Back to the Future, Triple Features. But I don't know if I can or not, but I think a lot of people we know and a lot of people should come out for that Carpenter Weekend. 
That's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Go to their website to find out about it or them on Facebook to check it out. But the lineup is awesome. Um, and then I also wanted to hype up next week. I think this will go out before then, but next week is that Sigma Doll show. The 7th. The 7th, yeah. So that's yes. Sigma Doll uh, is playing at, is that at a Union Transfer? Union Transfer. So, 30 year anniversary. Yeah, so big big hype to that. That's like a Joe show. That's going to be amazing. And, you know, we just always like to end with shout outs to, we get a lot of support from other podcasts and other people. So, Cross Street Breakdown, Nerds of Nostalgia, uh, From and Inspired by, yeah. who else has been cool with us? Justin Harlan. Oh, yeah, the far sighted. Of course, Justin Lauren, uh, Hard Business, our co John, right. and Joseph Gervasi from Loud Fest Philly. Loud Fest Philly just put up a new uh, interview that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like it a lot, so check it out. Um, what other people are we chilling We need to have like a thank you list. We, yeah, we sure thanks list. We're going to work on it. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be sweet. And uh, we're always at to checking out new podcasts, and we'll, we'll trade hype for hype. If you're willing to talk about how we're awesome, we'll, we'll talk about you. Oh, I knew there was something I was stalling to remember. Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. For those of you yeah. who don't know, I'm working with Josh, our boy Josh Goldblum on that. We're going to hope to have Josh on as a guest pretty soon. But the first part of the lineup was announced. It's pretty sick. Uh, Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad. Doug Benson movie interruption, Army of Darkness with Bruce Campbell. Uh, anniversary screening of uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey with the guy who played Death in attendance. So. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fred Decker, who directed Monster Squad and Night of the Creeps, is going to be there. Um, and then some newer movies like Beyond the Gates with Barbara Crampton, the new Freddy, uh, Freddy, the, your boy who directed Evil Dead. What is his name? Uh, Fede Alvarez. Fede, yeah. I keep saying Freddy. It's so stupid. Yeah, no. Fede Alvarez, he did uh, his new movie, Don't Breathe, is coming out. We're we're, we're showing that. Um, uh, the Greasy Strangler, which played a bunch of places, and the trailer looks insane. Um, uh, yeah, so go to BruceCampbellHorrorFilmFast.com or Bruce Campbell's website has it as well. There's a full lineup. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is at GroovyFest. Um, we'd really like the support. Uh, and I'm trying to get that to be big so that that becomes as well a thing that exists in the world that people know about. We're also, uh, as a fest, looking for if you have a Chicago-based thing, if you have a Chicago-based horror website or horror podcast or movie podcast or in some way are involved in the Chicago film scene and you want to talk to us about the fest, you know, hit me up because uh, I think we really want to we want to break into the Chicago environs and get people to know about us there. Um, We've gotten a lot of national attention, but we want to make sure folks who are in Chicago know about the fest and really get involved. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's everything. Thank that's you it. for listening. Thank Thanks you. to Cart for being on. Cart, you're the man. Thank you so much for He's, being with he, us. He brings our fashion quotient up so much. So high. He's Is so handsome in this Yeah. Your supreme hat. I'm also wearing a sweet Maui tank top that I got on my honeymoon, which I absolutely love. I'm judging your Maui tank top because you have a Maui tattoo, and now it's like too much Maui. Yeah, you're like super fan Maui. I am. If, uh, if I could have moved there uh, and found a good job, I probably would have. Yeah, no, okay. I get that. We should All right. Go. Thank you so much. Smoke bomb. Bye.